So welcome to the Digital Product Playbook podcast. Uh, we are a playbook that comes out every month and we chat about insights about how to grow and start your digital products. Today I'm joined by Jeff Gardner of Intercom. Why don't you introduce yourself, Jeff? Uh, thanks, Pete. Um, yeah, so my name is Jeff Gardner. Uh, I've been at Intercom a little over seven years now, uh, which seems like a lifetime. Uh, I joined Intercom really early. I was the fourth employee and joined as kind of the first person to do customer support in any function. Uh, at the time, it was you know we were so small and we were still in beta, uh, and so we didn't have that much customer support to do. So I ended up doing a bit of you know engineering on the side, fixing bugs, building an iPhone app, that sort of thing. Uh, so it was a little bit of a jack-of-all type of situation in the beginning, like most startups. And mm. then as we started to grow, I you know, started to build out that support function and spent most of my time at Intercom uh, doing support, running that team. And then in the last 18 months or so, I've moved over to run partnerships at Intercom. Okay. So what does partnerships at Intercom mean and look like? Because you recently uh, but, launched something pretty, pretty yes, big, right? Yes, yes, we have. Uh, so our platform is getting a lot of attention right now. Uh, and partnerships, I think, is a little bit different in every company. Um, the way we've set it up is that uh, I'm really looking after sort of the product aspects of partnerships. And so it's really finding, figuring out who we should be partnering with, uh, going out and working with those companies to build really great apps that are going to be used and loved by our customers. Okay. Uh, we also have somebody that does biz dev, which is sort of the more salesy aspects okay. of partnerships. And so there's a nice natural handoff of, you know, we've got an app built with our customer or with our partners, and then we can help those partners to work more closely with our sales team to kind yeah. of sell customers at the same time. So an example of a partnership could be, say, GitHub or something like that where you yeah. can interact with another product inside Intercom. Yeah, here's a really great example. So we have one partner called Aircall uh, and they are a kind of uh, virtual phone service um, and their app with Intercom both sends data back and forth between the two systems yeah. but also allows you to kind of upgrade a chat conversation that's happening in the Intercom Messenger to an audio call right then and there within wow. the Messenger. And so, you know, say you're chatting with a salesperson and they're like, hey, look, this is getting complicated. I can explain this in three minutes over the phone. Mm. You know, would you like to just have a quick chat and they can send an app card in the conversation flow in the messenger and all the person on the other end has to do is click start the call and it opens the phone uh, kind of calling interface right there in the messenger and so they have the conversation it closes down and then they go on chatting as they were before if they yeah, did yeah. That's great because that means that people don't need to be leaving exactly, to exactly, do exactly. So and the whole can... idea behind those apps is really like how do we just streamline the workflows mm. of you know salespeople, support folks, and marketing folks as well now. Okay, yeah. So what is the for people who haven't quite gathered what Intercom is yet? What's the thirty second pitch behind? Yes, the so thirty second pitch behind Intercom. Uh, so we're a platform, a communications platform for internet businesses to talk to their customers in pretty much every way, shape, or form. So whether you're in marketing, sales, or support, uh, we have tools that make your life easier and make it easier for you to talk to those customers and to uh, you know create really great experiences for those customers. Nice. Yeah. And. A lot's changed over the last few years. So we've been using Intercom uh, with Tap, our WordPress hosting platform, for four years. So quite a while. Yeah. And it's changed a lot. A lot. Then. Yeah. Um, a lot. The biggest change for us that was noticeable was when you changed the new Messenger about 12, mm -hmm. 18 months ago? Yeah, it was a, bit, a little over 12 months ago. Um, yeah, but that was the, the kind of fourth major version of our Messenger yeah. over the last seven and a half, eight years. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, we turned nine this summer. So yeah, over the last nine years. Wow, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So you're here to share with us um, kind of three lessons you've learned while working at Intercom, growing your team, um, mm -hmm. and kind of sharing your insight of what life is like at Intercom and kind of any yeah. insights you can pass on to 
everyone else who's trying to grow and build for digital products. So what would, uh, yeah. where, where would you start with that? Yeah, I think the very first thing is uh, do something that matters. Mm. Um, one of the things that has, uh, has always been a really uh, key thing for Intercom in terms of recruiting people and recruiting really great people is that we've had this uh, really compelling mission. You know, we want to make business personal. Uh, and, you know, it's really simple. It's concise. Uh, but it's something that you can get behind and, you know, we build all sorts of tools and, you know, things that when you zoom in at that level of detail, it's easy to forget, like, why are we doing this thing? Mm -hmm. um, but if you have a really strong kind of mission, vision, narrative around what it, why do you exist in the world? Mm. Um, it's easy to get people more excited and to get people to put in more effort and time and, and thought into what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that, that mission has not changed uh, at all over mm. the last nine years at Intercom. And it's, you know, from the day I joined to today, it's the same thing. And, and the, the activities we do might change a lot and the product might change over time quite a bit. But the idea there is how do we, you know, continually try to connect businesses to their customers mm. better? So was that initial vision born out of a need that someone had? Yeah, so our founding story is uh, actually pretty good. Um, so we have four uh, co-founders at Intercom and they all worked on a previous business together. And so they were working on a product and some people will recognize it. Um, they're all from Dublin, Ireland. So uh, their original business was called Exceptional uh, and it was a bug tracker for like Ruby applications okay. uh, way back in the day. And as part of that app, they started to see like, okay, you know, it's, it's actually really difficult for us to know who our customers are. And, you know, they used to work from this coffee shop and they watched the, you know, the guy making coffees, the barista there kind of talking to all of his customers and knowing their drinks and mm. kind of knowing to ask them about their holidays and that sort of thing. And they were like, we can't do that. You know, we can look up a row in a database and be like, all right, ID number one has this email address, yeah, but yeah. I mean, we can email them. That's about it. And so they sort of had this idea that let's, let's build something in the product that we can send messages out to people that are users and have them see it in context so they're you know, using our product and they get some you know, news about our product instead of an email, which is you know, totally devoid of context. Uh, and then the kind of second stage there was let's let them respond and see what mm. happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we were the very first uh, web messenger out there. Okay. Uh, you know, back in 2011. It's the same year that like WhatsApp uh, was founded and Facebook Messenger came around. And so it's a long time in internet years. It's yeah. a long time in internet years. And you know, like you looking around now, you're like, there's hundreds or potentially thousands of these like web messengers down in the mm. bottom right corner. But you know, back in the day, it was not a normal thing to see on a website. So it was, uh, it was pretty transformational and being, you know, and just opening that dialogue between, you know, the people that build web products and the people that use them and, you know, helps the builders kind of understand what people are using them for, what problems they're having, what kind of opportunities they have in front of them. Yeah. On the previous episode, uh, Danielle from Soldo, one of his points was you need to believe in your product because mm. if you don't believe in it, how can you convince your team to believe in it? And if no one's believing in it, then why are you even turning right. up each day? Right, right. So it feels nice to work at a company where you don't feel like you're doing shady things, you know, where you, you believe in the, the purpose, you believe in what you're right. aiming. Right, um, And I'm, I'm guessing because you're fairly early on, you know, you have that contact with what's going on in the, in the grand plan. Yeah. So you kind of know what direction you're actually heading in. Yeah, definitely. Like it's, um, you know, that, and like, that's a piece that changes over time. Like, yeah. uh, you know, especially with, uh, high growth startups, like 
nothing is ever the same for any given six month period. Sure. And so, you know, everything else about the business changes. Uh, you know, you're not a tiny little early startup where everybody just learns through osmosis and kind of understands that founder vision. Mm -hmm. And so especially as you start to get into the bigger stages, it becomes so important to have that, that story and that narrative yep. that everybody can tell to everybody else and everybody understands yep. well. But the, the, yeah, because the risk is the larger your team, the more it gets diluted. So totally. everybody needs to know it inside out. Yes. So when you have your new joiner, they yeah. go, oh, no, that's not what we do at Intercom. We do it this way. Right, right. So everybody knows that from top to bottom. Yeah. And that's important. That's a, yeah, and that's maybe actually a good um, transition to kind of the second point that, that jumps out to me or the second lesson, which is um, take the time to like put your principles down on paper. Mm. And I don't mean like company values, like that's one way to look at it. And I think those are very, very important, uh, you know, company values and potentially even team values when you get to a certain, you know, critical mass or size in a given team. Um, but also just your principles on like, how are you going to get the work done? You, you just know, published these. Uh, we did actually. Yeah, Today, yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah, yeah, they just came out for our product teams. Yeah, uh, yeah for R and D. So yeah, that's actually a really another really great point. Like it's not only uh, incredibly important for our internal people to understand these mm -hmm. uh, and to work to them and to like understand how we go about solving problems, but it's actually also a really great recruiting tool. You know, mm -hmm. we can share them with the broader world and say, look, this is how we build things. Mm -hmm. uh, if this seems interesting to you and you want to, you know, try out this process with us, you know apply yeah yeah so it works great my favorite one so i was looking through them today my favorite mm. one was number two which was think big start small yes and then having those things written down just means that when you're in a big meeting and you're at a sticking point you can mm -hmm. just think back and you go okay well we've all agreeing on this big idea what's the smallest thing you know you can it's, you can pull back to them yeah. to kind of keep it all aligned because there's so many smart people in a room right you need you know everyone's going to have different ideas so sure. you, you need something to kind of keep you you know, I'm straight and narrow almost. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a funny one that you picked that one. Uh, the short, the internal shorthand for that is uh, start with a cupcake. Okay. Because there was a post that Des, one of our founders, wrote a really long time ago that was basically, you know, said, start with a cupcake. Like if you want to build a wedding cake, you don't try to build a wedding cake from scratch from the very beginning. Sure. You know, start with a cupcake. Start with something manageable that you can try a bunch of times yep. to get the, you know, cake and frosting combinations correct and, and get the taste good mm. before you try to scale up to this monster four foot tall wedding cake with, yep. you know, all the this embellishment on it well also not only does that hone your skills is you actually get to check if anybody actually likes cake right because also if you've very spent important three years building a wedding cake <laughs> yes and yeah. then you ship it that's the the number two reason so there was a, a study 101 uh startups which failed as post-mortem mm -hmm. number one reason was they ran out of money number yep. two was there was no need for the product right number three was wrong team right right so number two was just there was just no need for it and, yeah and that's crazy that that's still I mean, it doesn't take long to make a landing page, you know, a MailChimp list and just see what happens. It is true. It, it, like, it's a hard thing to do, though, when you have this, you know, I think like founders and uh, people that build products like are inherently hyper optimistic and, um, you know, get carried away with ideas and can sometimes be often, you know, la la land. Yeah. And so it's hard when your brain does that to mm. go scale it back, like pull, you know, rein it all in. Let's do like the tiniest little movement here we can do yep. to at least prove an idea yep. uh, before we take any more steps. And, you know, when you're excited about an idea, that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. So it takes a lot of discipline and practice. So Intercom, a bit bigger than it used to be. How does, if Des walks into the room and yeah. says, I've got an idea. How does, how quickly can you try out an idea? Do you select a small amount of customers to try it? Do you, mm -hmm. how do you get from that point to maybe getting in front of someone's face? 
Well, Dez does not often walk into a room and do that anymore. Okay. Uh, he's uh, sort of like this is the blessing and curse of founders. You know, like as a company gets bigger, they carry so much weight that sure. they have to be so careful about the stuff they say in public or okay. in front of a group of people. Yeah. Because unfortunately, it's a lot of times taken out of context or people are like, oh, this is a decree. We must go do this. Right. Or you might just be like, it, yeah, yeah, you might just be spitballing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it goes the wrong sometimes. So, yeah. uh, you know, but I, I do think... Uh, the way that you know this happens in intercom a lot of times is you know we take the step back to try and really understand the problem mm-hmm. um, and I think this probably came up in those principles on the on the blog post mm. uh, understanding the the problem we're trying to solve is really the core of the way that all products or projects get started at intercom and so until we really understand what we're trying to solve we don't try to solutionize at all and you'll actually hear people say that really regularly like we're getting too deep into like we're starting to solutionize here go mm. back um, we don't have a, a clear idea of what the shape of this problem is. And as technical folk, that's easy to do. Totally. Because you're, you're already thinking about how you're going to build absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I think understanding the problem is a really great way and like really forcing yourself to go deep on like all different angles of the problem and, mm. and like, you know, sit in that space for a little while uh, before you start to try and understand what, how you could maybe fix that problem or address that problem is a great place to start there. And how are you speaking to customers? Are you literally being like, can we have some feedback or, you know, do you yeah, send so out there's a bunch of different ways that we collect customer feedback. Um, you know, one obvious one is the customer support team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent a ton of time early on and continue to spend a bunch of time on the support team, making sure that, you know, we're tagging every conversation that comes through wow. Intercom in, you know, in kind of a bimodal way. One is, a category of problem or category of question or feature request or whatever and then the other is what internal team is actually responsible for that okay and so each team can go and pull down a list of like okay what are all the customer support contacts for my team over the last month let's look at them by feature requests bug reports you know okay. other things uh, and so then if you they see can, a spike you can then deal exactly with it. yeah and, and it's not as cut and dry like there's plenty of times where there might be a spike and you go yes we could fix that but we also have you know other data points mm. and other sources of input that are really important. So some of those other sources are, you know, sales team, like what's causing deals to be lost? Um, what problems are they hearing from customers? Uh, why are people churning? That sort of thing. Mm. Um, another uh, big area is again, just like what are, what's our vision? Uh, because obviously that's not public knowledge. Yeah. And so there would be plenty of times we're working on something that's, you know, brand new that mm. no one would have asked for, mm. uh, but we know it's really important and we know we're going to work on it. So yeah. there's a bunch of these different types of inputs that come from a bunch of directions. Another really great one is just kind of foundational user research. Uh, we're lucky to have a really great research team okay. that goes and, you know, does in-depth customer surveys and, and like interviews and, yeah. you know, tries to take all that information and kind of collapse it down into insights for our PMs. Yeah. In um, base, uh, Rework by mm-hmm. Basecamp guys, yes. they, they make a point that you'll, you don't need to write down feature requests from clients. If, if, they're, if, it's, if it comes up enough, yes. you'll remember it. That's um, true. That and, is true. And, but I, yeah, so, yeah it, was same point. So it, was, it was a good point. But I think, I think that kind of aligns with the fact that ultimately you and your team know where you're going. So yes. while there might be a thousand people screaming for this feature, you know that ultimately you don't want to become that or mm-hmm. you don't want to go in that direction or yep. there's, you've got a better solution coming up. Um, and it's we get this all the time. People are requesting features which are just really niche for mm-hmm. them. And you mm-hmm. just have to say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and 
I think that's hard when you're small, especially because you want to win the deal. Right. But it's just not worth becoming this. Huge, right. You know, you've got to right. support that. Blow aware. Yeah. 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 yeah so. It's an interesting one as well. Like, um, I know Ryan from Basecamp just recently published that book shape up yeah. uh, about their process. And, uh, you know, I thought his example with the calendar was a really great one in that respect. Like I lots of people it, were asking yeah. for calendars and they were like, okay, we know a calendar is like not an actual, it's not an easy thing to build. It's, yeah. a, it's a big mess. And so what's the minimum viable version of this that actually mm. solves that problem uh, to the degree that these customers need mm. without committing us to a year-long roadmap of building a fully featured you know calendar. Google Calendar yeah, right yeah. Um, and what so I think that, yeah they landed on just a really simple kind of grid calendar okay. with dots for each date. The pills, you know, like the dots don't connect mm. for multi-day things. It's just really simple dots on a square. And then when you click one of those dots, it goes down below and kind of scrolls you mm. to the actual event. Um, so it's super simple. It's bare bones, but it does the job. Yeah. And so I think, again, that's another example where they really looked at the problem mm. that somebody was trying to solve within the context of Basecamp. And they went, okay, what's the, the thing we can do that actually matches our appetite is the way they call it uh, that we can get it done in the time that we want great yeah what would, uh, what would your last your last lesson be um, I think my last lesson is that it's it's all about the people and it's all about the long term um, you know you aren't going to look back after you know multiple years at a company or after starting a company and building it over a long period of time and you know, you'll feel proud about the outcomes, like if you sell the business or if it becomes wildly profitable and, uh, you know, does really well, you'll feel great about those. But the things you're going to really cherish are the human relationships that you built throughout that process. Yeah. Um, and I think when you think about it in those terms and then you combine that with you got to play for the really long term here, um, you start to be able to weather the kind of, you know, natural ups and downs of businesses and, and starting companies and things. Like there are always hard, stressful periods there. Um, and the reason that any company gets through those hard, stressful periods is because of really the kind of network of humans inside working together and like pulling everybody forward and propping everybody up at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, that's just, uh, I think more people need to focus more on the people and the long-term aspect of business rather than saying like, all right, we just got to charge hard and like, you know, take no prisoners and, mm. you know, flip this thing or sell it, in, you know, in two years or whatever. Yeah. I think more people would be better served by going, what, what's this going to look like in 30 or 50 years? Yeah. And when I look back, you know, when I'm 60 or 70 and I'm like that period of my life, what, what did I take away from that? Is it just money or did I take away a bunch of, you know, relationships that have served me for the intervening 40 or 50 years? It's good. It's yeah. good. And that's just from a practical point, that's really important because you don't want high staff down there because it's so hard to hire the right people. So hard. So if you get them yeah. and they're in your team, you, yeah. you need to, you know, be really aware of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the product's important, but ultimately the team and the people, you know, when you're small, the product's not right. really worth anything. You right. know, it's your team. Right. Um, so at that point, you're almost a service business where you need to focus on, you know, your crew. Yeah, your crew. And then, you know, there's like, there's a caveat in there that says if you really are focused on the long term, a lot of times the best thing for your crew is to like let one of them go. Sure. Or, you know, to either to let them spread their wings or if you find somebody that's really not performing well to compassionately, you know, make sure that they go somewhere where they can perform yeah. really well. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people outgrow you and sometimes you outgrow people. Exactly. And that's okay. Yeah, totally okay. That's okay. Nice. Yeah. Do you have, um, are you still involved in hiring at Intercom? 
Uh, I haven't done much hiring in a while, which is actually kind of nice. I uh, for a period there, it was like all I did. Nice. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm happily away from it for a little bit, but I do I do miss this kind of team building aspect at the moment. So. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you have a particular like um, interviewing process? Is it just one-on-ones or do you start? Uh, no, groups? no. It was uh, at least on the support team when we were doing lots of hiring, it got very, very uh, structured um, simply because we were hiring a lot of people very quickly yeah. and we needed a reliable, relatively bias-free way to uh, go through candidates and to yeah. look for people that we, you know, to the best of our ability, we knew would be successful. And so we had a lot of different heuristics. We had a lot of different kind of stages of the process. Um, You know, one of the things in in a high growth environment, like you really do have to try and uh, be cognizant of the amount of work you put on yourself and your team Mm -hmm. with hiring because every hour that they're in interviews, it's incredibly important work, Mm -hmm. but it means that that's an hour that they're not doing their actual job. 100%. Yeah. And so we... And it's more than an hour. Yeah, it's always more than an hour. They have to preview the TV. It's always more than an hour. It's always more than an hour. So we would actually, you know, front load a bit of work onto the candidate. You know, we we wanted to have you know some written questions come back because I think you know I'm a firm believer uh, in you know a person's ability to write clearly is probably a good indication of their ability to think clearly. Yep. Um, And so, especially in a support department where we're constantly doing everything through text with our customers, that is also super important. Um, and then usually, you know, there was a lot of other signals like cover letters is always a really, really good sign. Um, and when it got to the point where we were getting lots and lots of, uh, applications, that was always a really easy one to be like, this one just came in with no cover letter whatsoever. It's, you know, out immediately. Yeah. Uh, you know, we wanted people that knew of us enough to really want to be there. Uh, and people always in that situation would put in a little extra time to write a nice cover letter and, you know, describe themselves a little bit. I was chatting to the team recently and I was saying, now I've interviewed a fair few people. Yeah. I think I would nail an interview now. Yeah. Like I know what to write on the cover letter. I know, you know. Do you know, there's, just, there's like the basic, basic things like research. that. Yeah, there's basic research. But then, do you know, you, you start to uh, kind of turn that around on itself and, and you stop thinking of interviews as, okay, I'm here to impress. Yeah. And you start being like, hey, I'm actually here. I'm interviewing you as yeah, well, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's you're trying to see thing. if this is a fit and I'm also doing the same. Yeah, and so 100%. when you get to that point, you start to kind of, you're like, okay, obviously put your best foot forward. Obviously yeah. all do all those things. But, um, but I think more people need to also, uh, I guess, hold their own time and their own energy up a little higher and, sure. and like interview the company as well. Like the number of times people, you're like at the end of an interview, okay, do you have any questions for me? Nope, none. You're like, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're about to dedicate like 40 hours of your week every single week for a long time to this company and you have no questions. Yeah, yeah. It's always a massive red flag when I get a uh, dear sir, madam. I'm like, yeah. we're all on the website. It's not right. hard to find out who we are. Right, like, right. Pick a name and go with it. My yeah. name's an email address you just sent this to. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but yeah, man, there's good points. Okay, do you want to summarize your three points? So the first point was uh, having a mission that you can care about and that you can get other people to care about. So something compelling and something really interesting and something that makes the world a better place, hopefully. Uh, The second is have strong principles, uh, not only in your values around how you relate to the other people in the business or how you conduct business, but you know, how you think about solving problems and how you think about building the product. Uh, And then the last point is all about uh, focusing on kind of the relationships in the long term. And so, you know, Thinking about uh, 20 years out, how's, how's it going to feel and, and yeah. what are the things that you're really going to cherish from that time at that company? That's good. It's really good. Yeah. 
Okay, well, thanks for joining us. Um, Absolutely. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can people follow what you're doing or what Intercom's doing? Yeah, so the easiest place to find me is probably Twitter. Uh, I'm Erskine Gardner, which you're probably never going to end up being able to spell. <laughs> uh, but it's my middle name and my last name all mashed together. Nice. Uh, so that's probably the easiest place to get me. Sweet. And uh, you can follow Intercom on just underscore. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, at yeah. Intercom, intercom.com. You can find us uh, all over there and, and at the bottom right of most websites these days. Perfect. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Look forward to the next episode. Yeah. Thanks, Pete.